For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Going pretty deep on big topics. This week, I feel like the topic of the tariffs and the what I consider to be 100% as uh, Dean from Twitter would say Kabuki Theater, 100% this tension between uh, Wilbur Ross and Peter Navarro and Gary Cohn over tariffs to the point where Gary Cohn just, he just had to walk away uh, with all respect. I just can't stay here for this. I can't. It's just morally, it's just against my economic religion to be in the presence of a tariff. I've got to go. So evil. Yes, because he does not compromise. That <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, right. he's going to run Goldman Sachs, but that guy is just never he cannot can't even countenance uh wrong thing so um so he's a globalist trump chuckles you know i feel like he's the good globalist uh trump thinks that's funny you're always welcome (laughs) here you're a globalist but that's all right don't hold that against him. Go make a couple hundred million come go back. Make a, that's what Trump actually says, a funny little clip of Trump telling him to go make a couple hundred million and come back. Uh, so so he's a big globalist, so is Wilbur Ross. So, and we're, we've been really uh, digging into Stacey Abrams and her tactics and what I think her real agenda is. But it's got a little... Um, You know, I think that part of her tactics are divisiveness, and I think some of this stuff is kind of depressing. So I wanted to tell you, last night I was at an event that is the cure, provides the cure for divisiveness. It is the antidote. It is the antidote. It was a room full of love, acceptance, togetherness. It had every race, Creed, all combinations. Did you go to Woodstock uh, or what? No. I went to the talent show of my son. He has a youth group. This is my son who has Down syndrome. And these kids are, you know, this is not like a... Nobody's there because they have dyslexia. You know, these are people with real extraordinary challenges. To the point where you wouldn't... You know, they're so defined, like, you know, this is identity politics. Their identity is so defined by their disability. You know, you you wouldn't even might not even know, you know, what race they are or what family they belong to in the room. And uh, I was surprised even that so many kids got up. I mean, their kids were nonverbal who chose a song. 
so they stood there with the mic in their hands. It really chokes me out. Then couldn't sing the song really, you know, but they wanted to. They just kind of swayed to the music, and then the audience people would clap and sing the song if they knew the words. It was really moving, and um, and my son, I wasn't gonna let him do it because I've never been to the talent show before. I didn't realize that it was like truly a free for all, but he really wanted to do it. So it's like, okay, he knows all the words to "Lion Eyes" by the Eagles. So I just said, oh, you know, if you have time, like, go ahead. So he got up, and they played "Take It to the Limit." So he didn't know the words, and he just literally it was like listening to a Bazenji yowl. Like he just was faking it at the top of his lungs, words he did not know. That's awesome. He oh committed so to it. My husband and I were just cracking up. It was sad. You know, I felt bad for him. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. I I think I, you know, confused the words. I was like, oh, it's fine, Mom. And people were walking up to him, like, high-fiving him. That was great. I'm like, it was a complete disaster. But everybody... You know, it's just a room full of people with the same challenges, the same values, the same goals. I mean, talk about in it together. You know, like you're just when you're facing those kind of challenges, you really understand the meaning and the power of community. I mean, it was just it's just so it was like one of the best shows I've ever been to. And some of the singers could not physically were incapable of singing. It was great. But they committed 150% to it, and that's what makes it good. That's there what makes it great. It was great. Because I was really amazed because there were kids there who you really can't communicate with, who get nervous when you talk to them. And really, I think just about every person who could ascend the stage put something on. It was really fantastic. And um, it you know drives home to me when I see that like that is the power of community it's the power of family it's the power of compassion it brings out on the one hand the nobility of human beings uh, who do that work who help us you know in the community and it also there's something interesting about having a, a child with that level of special needs especially for me who's like hyper intellectual you know, I always thought of what separates man from the animals is like the capacity for abstract thought, you know, intellectual conversation. And then I had this kid who they told me in the beginning, you may not ever be able to understand his speech. And I thought, like, how is this a human being I'm going to be able to relate to? And funny is that he showed me like the true kind of, you know, I hate to get religious because I'm really not religious. I respect you know, the spirit of it, I have a hard time understanding what it's going to be like to like have a post-death conversation in the afterlife. But you, know, you look at, you're supposed to see like the face of Jesus, you know, the like bigotry is a crime against the Holy Spirit. It's a sin against the Holy Spirit. You have to love people. You have to see through their, you know, beneath their surface to like that divine spark. And these kids, like you can't, there is only divine spark. They're naked in that way. And it and it shows and they just love you. That's why, like, they literally loved this terrible version of Take It to the Limit. They loved it because they love him and he loves them. It was just it was very moving. Maybe I'm belaboring. But uh, but this is the lesson in that we don't. So the Stacey Abrams speech that kind of we launched our conversation about her with about, you know, they believe in the power of government to to humanize, you know, and I, I think it's the opposite. I think that it's that it's that abandonment of your own sense of of empowerment that makes you look to this other power. And it, and you wouldn't even do that if your family were not 
weakened, if your community were not weakened. And those things happen, I think, deliberately, but certainly at the hands of government. There was actually Claret and Piven who wanted to and went into inner cities to break up families in the 60s in order to promote welfare so the system would collapse and we could have like a communist revolution. I mean, they're not they know that they have to break up these networks of personal support in order to have that centralized power. So I say don't don't fall for it. Yeah, that personal support protects people from those manipulative forces because they have a set of values ingrained in them that they react to by breaking up the family. And this is uh, grounded in Leninism. Then they lose those set of values and then the uh, organizers come in and replace them with their own. And by those values being eroded, you don't have those safety nets that values like that bring because you look at your family and you know, there but for the grace of God go I. I this kid is not going to be able to support himself, but it could have been me. That's what I say to my other kids. Would you rather trade places with them or would you rather, you know, help them take a shower? You know what I mean? Like you got to you and and then you think that and you know that and that's the that's the insurance policy that that love and family really bring and when that's gone, you're desperate and afraid and vulnerable. Yes. So, you know, I just I feel like there that we shouldn't lose sight of what really that without charity, like true uh, love, that stuff's empty anyway. They're not they're not going to they can't deliver that promise because they really don't have your best interest at heart. They can't. How can they know you? How can they care about you? One person could fall through the cracks and they wouldn't even know it. But you're that person. Yeah. And I think true love is actually vulnerability without the fear of exploitation. Whereas vulnerability with fear of exploitation is when you don't have those values to rely on. That's a little too deep That's for deep. me. <laughs> so, but I want to, I wanted to, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a natural segue, but there was some, a really interesting couple of clips uh, from Abrams that I think, and, and again, I'm really actually not trying to really come down on her. I think what she represents from both uh, the future politics and political style in this country as well as the future kind of worldwide legal framework economic framework is really really informs us and that's why i'm going to follow her closely but she said something that a couple of things that i found very interesting and i feel let's see if you can tell why i feel like this is really an extension of what obama promised so let's do uh, clip 21, please. I'm asking for Georgians' votes now because every Georgian is a partner in our effort to change the state. And now you're a part of that transformational effort because when we change Georgia, we can change the South. And when we change the South, we can change the nation. So she's talking, remember, Obama said he would fundamentally transform this country. And she said it's transformational. She wants to change Georgia. She wants to change the South. She wants to change the country. And I noticed that for a couple of years, like as soon as the real hardcore Confederate flag, um, uh, you know, operation started that it was about changing the South. It wasn't just the, those symbols are offensive. It was a, it was those symbols matter. And there was cultural power there. They wanted to undermine not not. Whether or not it's racist, I don't think they really care. It's that it's um, it's a part of the culture, and culture creates community, and and they care about that culture cult. Uh, but I I noticed that Trump's polarization 
was sparking a backlash that could be phase two of the fundamental transformation Obama promised, that he was really a Manchurian candidate. I get a lot of flack for that. Again, I'm not trying to hurt people, um, make people uncomfortable. I just uh, trying to figure stuff out. And I'm telling you what I think. And I've said that before. Then, thank you, Binkley, gives me this clip, clip 14. I think Trump has been just the, the fuel we needed to accelerate our progress. Uh, but he has had an extraordinary ability to unify every community that opposes him. So this reflects to me or echoes what we heard in last week's show when Manchin of West Virginia, the senator, said, uh, President Trump, my people trust you. They know you would never do anything to hurt them. So if you take their guns away, they will allow it. <laughs> you know? Whereas no, Obama couldn't do that. It was something crazy like that. I mean, you know, they weren't saying take the guns away. It was just gun control legislation that Republicans would never want. And the people who live in, uh, you know, the woods are to the extent that there is a large rural population in West Virginia. They, you can't want them to come and take your long guns of all things. So... Um, it was clear to me that whether Trump means to or not, whether it was uh, intended or not, I foresaw it. I, I felt that this polarization might come back to bite the people who want to restore things like the Constitutional Bill of Rights, not to fundamentally transform this nation. I mean, that, you know, that's really saying we're going to end the American experiment. And, and we shouldn't understand that. Is that what we want? Is there true progress? You know, is there are we elevating to a new level of society that we that we don't need individual rights as they are defined in this country. You know, that's really, I think, what she's saying. 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blew it up! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. High today of 65, tomorrow's high 60. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and I have a weekend prize pack for you. You guys ready for that? Everybody ready? It is a family four-pack of tickets to $5 Dry Fit Frenzy Night at the Atlanta Gladiators game on Saturday, March 17th at Infinite Energy Arena, and a four-pack of tickets to the Atlanta International Auto Show, March 21st to the 25th in Building C at the Georgia World Congress Center. The first to call 404-741-0750 gets that prize pack. And uh, good luck. That sounds like fun. I am. So. So I want to talk about like kind of a little big, bigger picture thing. I. I was saying before, like that Obama said he wanted to fundamentally transform this nation. And I really did see it when I first moved to Georgia or maybe after a couple of years I felt like the attack on the Confederate flag as a symbol was not was about rooting out the culture. You know, like um, it's a conservative kind of Republican gun rights culture. And if you can disrupt that culture, you can probably make way on some of those policies. Uh, and I noticed with the Ossoff campaign that. It was called Flip the Sixth. Uh, I saw, okay, so it was both Tom Price got pulled out of there, and boy, 
did the Democrat give the Republican a run for their money in that Newt Gingrich's seat? Like, that was pretty shocking. And then what was even more shocking was that Jeff Sessions, who won 97% of the popular vote, his seat uh, was lost to a Democrat. And now Sessions and Tom Price are, Tom Price is even out of the administration, but they're out of the lawmaking bodies. And an unprecedented number of Republicans have stepped down in uh, before the midterm elections. Midterm elections are when you're the weakest as a party anyway, if your guy is in the White House. So I see all this stuff and surely the implications is not are not lost on these people. I, I have to say my old hashtag, <laughs> I've dusted off the hashtag lose on purpose because I wonder if these guys are uh, deliberately making way for the blue wave. You know, I was calling it flip the South, flip the flyovers, but they're calling it the blue wave. And when Stacey Abrams says we're going to, flip Georgia, we're going to flip the South, we're going to flip the country, I think we need to take that seriously. Now, Binkley, my producer here, is kind of laughing. Why are you laughing at me, Binkley? Ted Cruz was on Chris Cuomo's show the other day, and Cruz said, everybody talked about how there's going to be a blue wave in Texas, and then Cuomo jumps in and goes, but that blue wave ran into a red wall. I just thought it was hilarious. Cuomo said that? Yeah. You know, Chris Cuomo drives me absolutely crazy because his brother and his father were the governor of New York. Yeah. And like, how is that an objective news source? You know, obviously, the it, it, like if you if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist because I think that the media and the government are like interwoven, just check that out. Or that like Anderson Cooper's only job besides the media was in the CIA. Like, you know, you've got to just wonder what uh you know, it just and they crazy. phrase their headlines as accusations against conservatives most of the time. What do you mean? You got like two seconds to tell me what you mean. Uh, Trump denies having an affair with Stormy Daniels. He did. You know, like in parentheses. Oh. He did have an affair, stuff like that. But but when you dig into that Stormy Daniels stuff, it's just like the Russia stuff. Like there is no smoking gun and they do it on purpose. It's that art of ambiguity uh, that, you know, keeps the, us at each other's throats and when we should, we actually have so much in common in just protecting our basic rights, which are getting taken away from us. Uh, it's, you know, protecting our property, our very lives sometimes. Uh, let's wrap it up after this 404 872 0750 or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 955 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. And we are, I guess, in the home stretch because it's 536. And I'm here with Binkley, my producer, who helps with the show, reads my tweets, does a lot of work behind the scenes to bring us these uh, smoking gun clips that are, you know, we're using as an object lesson or an example, I should say, of, of, tactics and strategies both downward towards the people and upwards towards the masters that I think Stacey Abrams kind of personifies. She's really a created person. She's a member of Council on Foreign Relations, but her background of fellowship after fellowship in different um, subject areas and especially different geographic regions really points to the fact 
that she's she's really going to be a player on the world stage. And and she, her kind of big move is to be governor of Georgia. And I've noticed before, especially when Kasim Reed took office, that Atlanta was really going to be a world city. It's actually on the International Steering Committee of the UN's Strong Cities. Uh, and you don't hear a lot about it, but there is there is internationalism. There is this uh, globalism that these institutions like the one she's affiliated with have strategies, tactics, they have goals, and they teach you how to go back to your communities and bring those communities along. I was reading an article. People think you're crazy. I talk about like the IMF. The IMF comes in, gives you a loan, and then when you can't pay the loan back, they own your assets. And that is just a big bank controlled by big bankers. And, you know, you're called a conspiracy theorist when you see that. Funny enough, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal this week that talked about, lamented how China's new Silk Road was China going into countries, building their infrastructure, and then when they can't pay the loans, or the deal is China controls that infrastructure. They were lamenting that China was replacing the IMF in controlling these small countries along the way where they're going to own 75% of the structural assets in these countries and how bad that would be and how you can really enslave the population and rob them of all their wealth. I mean, they didn't spell it out like that. But that's what this stuff is all about. And it's governments that are undermining other governments. I mean, you have to think about whether that's okay, you know, and our government or certainly these institutions do where this American Assembly at Columbia University, where uh, Abrams was a fellow, talks about using military force, cultural influence, and alliance building to uh, uh, to achieve practical goals in the exercise of power. You know, and they're they're talking about everything from controlling the digital landscape to controlling how you live and where you live. And one of the agenda items also is taking like food producing land offline, like. Private property is okay as long as it isn't food-producing land. That was in UN's Habitat One. Uh, so that's just, you know, I've been trying to kind of flesh out what is globalism and what I'm worried about there. And, uh, and you know, maybe maybe you embrace it. Maybe this is what you want. I mean, I, what I don't like about it is it feels like this consumerist, materialist monoculture that that lacks soul and individuality. But also the worst part is the ends justify the means in this mentality. So people die. I mean, they use bombs to open up markets. I mean, I almost I, I wonder if Vietnam was really about that, about opening up Asia to industrialization just to have, you know, uh, this a new avenue for cheap labor and consumption kind of mercantilism. But these are deep subjects. I think we've done enough deep. So <laughs> Binkley, thank you for your patience. Do you have a tweet for me? Yes, I have one from Shrop Daddy, who tweets, I wouldn't underestimate Stacey Abrams. Her resume is better than Obama's. We also have to remember that government has been educating the masses for 40 years. Millions are willing to trade freedom for a semblance of security. Yeah, that's true. And one of her things is she doesn't like... She says privatization is bad. What she's talking about is privatizing schools. I think I don't like, like public-private partnerships. I think they're a scam. They're just a way to keep transparency out of the system. And I don't I don't like it. I like free enterprise. Shut down the public schools. If you're worried about school shootings, don't send your kids to public school. Do a homeschool, you know? Um, but this government education really does, and a lot of private schools too, uh, 
indoctrinate the kids in ideology that is a you know not grounded in principles that would support the founding documents and laws of this country but they also uh they make people uh vulnerable to this kind of um you know lockstep you know thoughtless kind of socialism i think but they make them get in formation yeah which is one of the slogans of this campaign get in formation I mean that's scary. So let's let's just as a uh, an example of some of the tactics that are used here to kind of get you to get in formation and to get the people around you in formation. Let's uh, and this also shows Shrav Daddy is right. You should not underestimate Stacey Abrams because she has the education, mm-hmm. she has the backstory, she has the funding, she has the skills, yeah. and not just to speak and answer questions. See that's the thing. Normally you know it's you're super highly educated. She went to Yale Law School. You can. Uh, answer questions, policy questions, understand the depth. She can do that, and she can also uh, be a kind of grassroots leader. And that was something that Obama was able to do both of those things, and it's very powerful. So let's hear her. She's still, I think she's still in training a little bit. She needs more practice, but listen to what, to this is her getting people going. Clip 13. First, you have to do what? Okay. Okay, I'm the daughter of ministers. You got to do better than that. You got to do what? Once we've explained what they've done, we have to explain what to do to them. We spend too much time being the experimented upon instead of the ones in the laboratory. We have to be willing to activate people and get them to turn out to vote. And the third thing we need to do is agitate. Say agitate. what has been done and you activate you explain what needs to be done tell them what's been done to them and tell them how to do something about it when we don't behave when politicians lie to you and show up and tell you nice stories and don't do their job we have to agitate she i mean she's really walking people through the process of how you know protest is important i am an absolute diehard defender of the First Amendment. I do, I think it can be abused, uh, you know, at the local level, telling localities how to deal with religion. But I I would always err on the side of supporting the First Amendment. I believe in all of that. There is something about this information stuff. Um, There was a clip Binkley played for us a while ago where the leader was saying, I don't do anything if I'm not told to do it. I, and they were saying, we vote together, collective vote, collective vote. It's highly contradictory here where they're acting like they're liberating you and really they just want you to get in lockstep and you have to trust them and they say that. Yeah. And that was Linda Sarsour, the face of the Women's March movement. Oh, Linda Sarsour was the one who called yeah. for the collective vote? Yeah. I mean, it's just such a fundamental contradiction to me to tell people that they're you know, they are oppressed based on their identity and then calling upon them to function only in light of identity with nothing below it. There there really are no fundamental morals, principles, or policies in the messaging. Collective vote, get information, trust. I mean, what do you think? I, I think they better hope that whoever they're trusting is one of the first powerful politicians to truly have their interest in mind. 
Because if not, then they're gonna end up being they're not gonna get their needs fulfilled like they they're hoping for. But you you rightly pointed out that by focusing on Donald Trump, they they get that's how they get their focus off like the policies off what's actually going to happen. Yeah, they unify a bunch of groups that have conflicting interests by focusing focusing them only on Donald Trump's hate instead of focusing on the specific policies. Right. And that perhaps, you know, perhaps what happens to the Republican Party, all the infighting in the Republican Party, I always think it's a natural extension of of the fact that Republican voters are, are generally small government voters, which puts them at odds with politicians, even politicians who call themselves Republicans. But as we started our analysis of Abrams, she said Republicans have a problem. They don't believe in government and they're trying to control government. But progressives are unified in our faith in the power and promise of government. Yeah. So uh, so maybe at the end of the day, what they'll end up doing is actually have divisiveness within the Democrat Party. Maybe that somehow will work to their favor. You know, maybe they'll then be able to dictate how things go if there isn't a unified Democratic policy platform. Well, they are separate. They distinguish themselves from the Democratic establishment. Very, they're very, oh, they're yeah. further left than them. So they're what the Tea Party actually was, but you know they call it that. Actually, that Netroots Nation, I googled it. It's for Internet and Grassroots. Yeah, that's what that stands for. So, which I'm not sure that's like even internationally <laughs> funded grassroots. Yeah, and and the internet is like by definition not you know physical. It's not grassroots. So anyway, all right, I'm going to take a quick call. Uh, Brian in Gainesville, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, this is Brian Gainesville. Hey, what's happening? Hey, I'm calling because you got a show about conspiracies and stuff, and I believe that the media is breaking in my home when I go to work, and I believe that, uh, it's the BBC, and I believe they're coming in our country, setting up shop, and running a little game show without people's permission, and I'd like it to stop. What makes you think that? Well, I got a lot of reasons, got a lot of evidence to prove it. Give me one but, uh, example. Well, one example is stuff gets moved around my house on purpose when I'm gone. Another example is uh, people on the radio talk to me, you know who I am. But if you say you don't, then you're part of the conspiracy as well. Well, I can't speak to that. I don't uh, know who you are. I'm sorry. But... Um... And stuff moving around, I can't say that. But I did read an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal this week that was kind of whitewashing what I do think is some unauthorized surveillance, which is the article was about, like, Facebook is not listening to you. It's just using algorithms to pump up ads that seem like they reflect what you were just talking about. And I personally do call BS on that because I've seen ads pop up, maybe not in Facebook, but in my Yahoo Mail and stuff that reflect something I have said, but have not Googled, have not uh, communicated electronically at all. I so I will go as far as to say I do think they're listening. I do. I mean, the article said it would be impossible to sort through all that data, but I don't believe that. I don't think that we're. I'm told how sophisticated the technology is. I know uh, some companies have authorization to go through your emails for invoices of things you've bought in order to pump out the ads to you. That's like a thing you can turn on and off in your Yahoo. So I don't blame you for thinking that something weird is going on. This sounds extra weird. So I hope that 
you get to the bottom of it. Uh, we are going to wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Early morning showers, then clearing skies with a high of 53 forecast for Monday as the work week begins. But that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I have a quick announcement to make. Uh, Next Sunday, March 18th at 2 p.m. at uh, McEachern UMC Church Field on Mackland Road in Powder Springs is opening day for alternative baseball. Starring players with autism and other special needs, it's, uh, as they say, it's nine innings of awe-inspiring action. And you know I'm a sucker for that stuff. So I uh, highly recommend you check that out. ABO Alternative Baseball Organization, March 18th, 2 p.m. in Powder Springs. So uh, uh, hopefully, if that's of interest. Also, Binkley. So um, we're wrapping it up. And I think we should tell people how to hear maybe this show in its entirety and commercial free and our other shows. What do people need to know about how to get more of Binkley and Perez? Go to PropagandaReportDaily.com and on the right you're going to see uh, an Apple icon and an Android icon. You can click on those to subscribe to the podcast and I will be updating the ones that I've been behind on over the past few weeks. (laughs) You don't have to out yourself as being a little behind. You did a lot of work on this, this show today, these clips. I feel, I really, I do not like to um, pile on a person, but the clips that you found were so representative of the tactics that we, that actually, I feel like it diffuses the ability of being manipulated just to see the nature of the manipulation. Yeah. And I feel like that's why for my kids to go to school, I always wanted them to study under the trivium, which is grammar, which is like stuff to learn. And then in middle school, it's logic. Everybody gets that. But in high school, it's rhetoric where uh, you learn how to influence people. And in that way, you recognize how you get influenced. And John Taylor Gatto turned me on to that by and talked about how like the senators in um, D.C., like 80% of them at this time anyway that he was talking, were educated at these private schools that still use the trivium where the public yeah. schools don't. So they're, they're, they're versed in the art of persuasion, which also gives them uh, armor against it. And we're not. We're, we're vulnerable. A lot of them, they have to take acting classes, too. It's required. <gasps> Get out of town. Yeah. You're blowing my mind, dude. Wow, on that big brain bomb note, uh, I will say I think I'm, I believe, I'm on from 3 to 6 for the duration. That's the Monica Perez Show, your libertarian voice on WSB. Thank you, Rachel, Justin, Binkley. Until next week, you can get more of our stuff on PropagandaReportDaily.com.